and welcome to The Schism. This podcast is all about critical thinking, dot connecting, the nature of reality, and trying to uncover the truth about the world we live in, society, who we are, and where we come from. Hello and welcome to The Schism. Today I'm joined as always by my co-host Adam. Hello everyone. And we're going to be talking about the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. See you later. We wanted to wait for the dust to settle a little first. And in Great Britain, the hysteria around the Queen dying and the non-stop media coverage has just about died down. But safe to say it was relentless. I mean, admittedly, I tried to sleep through many parts of that week just to let the days go. I managed to almost bypass all of it because I went on holiday. And when I actually got back, my granddad said to me, oh, you missed all the Queen's funeral. And I thought, yeah, lucky (laughs) me. Praise be the Lord. (laughs) Lucky me. But yeah, there was like 10 days of mourning. And in the UK, it's just been like weeks and weeks of all that's been in the papers, all that's been on the TV is just stuff about the Queen, the funeral, which we'll get onto later. Yeah, and just like the coverage of COVID, it's like all you've seen, heard, smelled. (laughs) The royal reek. But we we did call this a while back. We did. There's more than one schism episode where we have declared the Queen is dead. You've heard it here first. The Queen you're seeing at the moment isn't the real Queen. Yeah. We did say that. No, it's true. It's true. I, I brought this up with Reese before. I remember months ago an edition of the TV Guide magazine Radio Times in the UK. It had a picture of the Queen on it. And I actually looked at that picture and I was like... That's not the Queen. Yeah, it's kind of like she got older and then suddenly down the line she got younger. And there's also some other changes like the Queen famously never really smiles in photographs. But there's been recent pictures of her before she died, obviously, where she's smiling like a jackal. Like when she's meeting Liz Truss, the new MP, she's like... I mean, she looks like a bloody waxwork. Like, she's, like, there with her arm outstretched. She's got this big, like, reptilian smile on her face. And you're like, the Queen doesn't... Yeah, that, she doesn't smile. It, almost like the stature of her. I was like, oh, she's not that big. Like, I, I almost thought, like, she put on weight. I thought, hang on, I thought when old people got older, they lost weight. I thought the Queen looked like she put on a few pounds. When I first saw it, I was like, Liz Truss visits Madame Tussauds. Oh, oh, no, sorry. <laughs> she's actually gone to visit the Queen? Is that the Queen? Again, it's like, it looked weird. It looked photoshopped. It, I, I mean, I'm sure she did go and meet someone, but whether that was the Queen or not, who bloody knows? And that does sound really far out to people. Your average person is going to be like, are you fucking mental? What do you mean that's not the Queen? And we've said the same thing when we were having a conversation with Kathy about Biden. You, know, you look at Biden through... The ages. Biden through the ages. <laughs> He's so old. <laughs> no, but he doesn't look like the same guy. And it's, and it's exactly the same with, with the Queen. And like we've said in a previous episode, we've seen how good these deep fakes are now. Oh, they're fantastic. You've only got to look at the new Kendrick Lamar video where he morphs into Obama and all these other, like, I think, like, uh, Will Smith. And yeah, it's crazy. Like... And that's the technology we're seeing on a music video. Well, how good is the deep fake technology that they've got behind the scenes? And you're telling me they couldn't do a deep fake of the Queen's speech? Bear in mind all the data that they have to draw from, from the previous Queen's speeches, where let's face it, she's just sitting there, 
like a fucking android. Mm. Anyway, of course they'd be able to do it and it would look real. No one would question it. Well, the thing is we said about the Queen being dead is... I didn't know this until she did die. There's been this whole operation that's been in place for decades. What will happen when the Queen dies? So they could implement... If they've had that plan that long, you know what I mean, in place, who's to say that plan wasn't implemented last week, last month, last year? As far as you know it, Queen could have died a year ago and you probably wouldn't know. Well, there was the slip-up on... I think it was the CNN news channel where they were showing the funeral procession, I think it was, and they said the Queen has been uh, lying in wait for the last four years. Uh, what? And it might have just been a slip-up, but pretty weird thing to say, and she could have been dead for four years. They would be able to present her as still being alive and fool the public via deep fakes and doubles and holograms and all these things that sound really far out but as we talk about in this episode are more than possible so you can't rule it out because they do have the technology to do that i mean i'm not ruling out she got old so there's less of her royal duties she could obviously do i mean she can't fly halfway across the world anymore i'm sure 24 hour flight on the queen's not going to be too forgiving but just because she can't do those things isn't an excuse for her not being around. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost convenience. Well, that's how we first brought this up on the schism. A while back, we were talking about when Barbados first become a republic. This was only, I think, in 2021. Yeah. And the Queen was no longer going to be head of state and she was supposed to go along. But it was a no-show from the Queen. Charles went there. And he was side by side with Rihanna, of all people, because she was being <laughs> awarded this... Ambassador for... For Barbados yeah. Award. So Charles was there, not with the Queen, but with the Queen of R&B, Rihanna. <laughs> and we made the joke that Charles would have been like, I can get used to this. But even then we were saying, why isn't the Queen there? Oh, they said it was health problems. Is she okay? If you remember... When Prince Philip died, there was information that kind of come out, like, oh, he might have died a bit before, but they didn't announce it because it was in the height of COVID and they didn't want to... Because he'd been very ill. I mean, after he'd done one of his road accidents or something, when he crashed that Range Rover oh, on, God, the, yeah. on the estate, it was almost evidence then. I mean, he looked like the walking dead. He looked like a bloody zombie. I mean, he was well on the way out when he was going out. But like you said, during that time, there was a lot of heightened emergency around COVID and all that stuff. So they didn't want to alarm the public too much is what I was getting at. So the COVID's killed the prince. The COVID's killed the prince. On top of that, we've seen lots of things like, for for example, the Pope gave a speech at the start of the pandemic where he come out and addressed the people. And then as he turned his back, it wasn't a speech, sorry. It was a prayer. So he didn't actually talk conveniently <laughs> and as he turned his back he disappeared like someone switched the light switch off and everyone was saying that that's not the pope it's a hologram and bizarrely there was even a hologram in the queen's jubilee which we'll get to later but yeah there was that there was like this picture of biden that went up from him walking on the white house lawn and his leg is just disappearing into the grass yeah it looks like he's lagging out in a 2d computer game yeah it's like tomb raider but the white house came out afterwards and said oh like the the grass was long and his foot he's like no it isn't like <laughs> that is a glitch out like 
Something's happened. There's been a glitch <laughs> yeah. in the Matrix. That's not long grass. <laughs> Your server's behind or something. <laughs> but yeah, like a few of these things happening, if you know about them, makes you view the world in a kind of different way. And this really out there stuff, suddenly you start to have to factor, factor in because you're like, well, I know these things are possible. So maybe I should broaden my horizons a little bit because let's face it the world is mental at this point so to make sense of it you kind of have to let this stuff in a little bit otherwise you're kind of looking at the world with blinkers on this is the age for thinking outside the box so before the queen passed away we had the queen's jubilee very convenient yeah in itself well placed I mean, everything's so convenient, isn't it? We had the Jubilee, that all went ahead. She was fine for that. And then she was there for Boris to stand down and Liz Truss, our new Prime Minister, come in. She was there for that. She's pretty much there for, like, most of the Crown, the series. Yeah. On TV. (laughs) There's the Diana season. She missed that, but that's probably for the best. Oh, yeah. They had a fictitious relationship. But what a smooth handover. You know what I mean? The stuff with Andrew, that's been and gone now and stuff with Harry but the Queen didn't really make much of an appearance at the Jubilee it was almost a no-show she sort of come out gave a small wave she wasn't really there but well, so, you know, you know she come out on a balcony oh what like the Pope that fucking disappeared I mean she didn't even get in and amongst the crowd with the ravers and the glow sticks I mean I expected <laughs> old Queenie Queenie to be down there dropping half an ecstasy pill or something, you know. No, but she sort of came out on the balcony a few times and gave a wave. And there was this, like, pre-recorded video of the Queen with a CGI Paddington bear, which was just bizarre. And you're like, okay, so the Paddington bear's CGI. Well, couldn't she just be CGI then? Why, why not? She looked fucking CGI, innit? It was weird. And what affiliation has she got with... Paddington Bear, oh, Paddington Bear's British, right, okay. But the whole thing was like Paddington Bear saying, well, I always keep a marmalade sandwich. And the Queen was like, me too. And like reached into her bag and it was like, oh, that's what she's had in her bag all these years. No, she hasn't. <laughs> like we, we literally know that she uses her fucking handbags as like a signal to her fucking goons. Like, I'm done talking with this person. Or like, get me the fuck out of here. Or, <laughs> like, you know. That's what the handbags are for. Her Majesty needs a number two. You know. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, them handbags have got fuck all in them. They're just literally a signal for her, like, hired goons to step in and rectify whatever situation that she's found herself in. Even if it's like, stop this fucking person from talking to me. But, oh no, in this video with Paddington Bear, she's trying to make out, like... She's the cosy queen all these years. I've just kept a marmalade sandwich in here. (laughs) I like a snack. And people have been taking this on board so much so that they've been dropping off sandwiches. Where they've like, during the queen's funeral with all the flowers, they've had a little marmalade sandwich there. Like, this is for you, mum. Well, I tell you what. On your way. All those people sitting there making marmalade sandwiches. I mean, like you could find a fucking jar of marmalade anywhere these days. I mean, unless you took a time machine back into 1920. Yeah, it's not really... Like the thing that people eat anymore. Marmalade. It's not very trendy. I bet the sours have gone through the roof, though. Oh, yeah. I bet marmalade's proper taken off again. But my point is, it's like all those sandwiches were being made and dropped off by... I mean, what about all the homeless people that probably could have done with a marmalade sandwich? Honestly... I didn't go and visit me grand during the pandemic and drop her off a sandwich. She probably would have liked that, but I gave one to the Queen after she was dead. But there was even like an article that I saw in the papers saying, like, 
warding people off doing it because they were like actually they're like attracting loads of wildlife and like it's becoming a real problem there's always rotting sandwiches everywhere like what the hell is going on people like she probably didn't even eat marmalade sandwiches you know what i mean i've had one once (laughs) like but oh because they saw the thing with paddington bear it's like people are children it's embarrassing I, I, I even saw some lunatic, that, I mean, this was posted, re, reposted on social media, someone with a tattoo, I think I sent it to you. Yeah. It was like the Queen, hand in hand with Paddington Bear, and it said on it, come on, Paddington, I'm now going to visit my husband Philip in heaven. And it's like, oh, come on, ma'am. Well, there's like some speech bubbles coming out, and like there was just a marmalade sandwich on the floor. Oh. Well, on, on the, the arm. arm, on, on the <laughs> arm. That's what he was tattooed on, someone's fucking arm. But it's like they've dreamt that up in their fantasy world. They think the Queen's trotting off to heaven, hand in hand with Paddington Bear, a make-believe fucking cartoon. You know what? I have my fair share of tattoos, and I do like tattoos, and I could honestly say, what a waste of skin. <laughs> it's up there with Pete Davidson's tattoo of Hillary Clinton that we spoke about in the last episode. I think Steve over in Jackass has got some pretty horrendous tattoos, but at least he doesn't have the Queen holding Paddington Bear's hand. Do you know what? I've got the actual quote here. Is I've done my duties, Paddington. Please take me to my husband. How about now, you evil bitch? You go to hell. <laughs> we are offering a different opinion on <laughs> the Queen's passing in this episode. We should say. We should say. Well, we were saying earlier that we were surprised by, you know, you've only got to go back to the 70s and the era of the Sex Pistols, where they were singing about, God save the Queen, she ain't no human being. Like, there was a lot of people there that were anti-royalist, and that wouldn't have been an unusual stance to take. No, no. But now, in the wake of the Queen dying and the funeral, it's like, if you dare breathe the word like that, People were just on you, just like in the COVID era, or if you said anything about the Russia-Ukraine situation, like, there's definitely a right way to feel about this. Yeah, virtue signaling. Yeah, massively, and it's just become yet another thing where you can't dare express another alternative opinion about it, and if you do, you're a terrible person. I mean, what's mental is that these people dropping off the marmalade sandwiches... Like, there you go, Mom. I know it was your favourite. Like, that's a really recent thing that's happened. Like, this weird little skit that she done for the Jubilee with a CGI Paddington bear, that's a recent thing. It's not like she's loved marmalade sandwiches for 50 years. It's all she eats. Queen and marmalade, they go together like... I mean, it'd be more impressive if they just left boxes of coronation chicken out the front. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, really? Is that... You don't associate... Marmalade sandwiches with the Queen, but now you suddenly do. To the point where people are leaving the sandwiches behind, like, I know it's what you would have loved, Mom. You've always loved them. Like, no, she didn't. It's a recent thing that's dreamt up by someone in a fucking ad agency. Like some creative. You have no idea how many supermarkets I went round all hours of the night looking for that single jar of marmalade just for you, Mom. Honestly, like, what is wrong with people? They, they, they sort of invented this whole idea of what the Queen is. Like, she's this cosy, fluffy, relatable person. Like, 
that doesn't give a fucking shit about you and your family. She sees you as filthy peasants, serfs, plebs. She's always ruled over you minions. Yeah, but oh, she was just like one of us. She loved her marmalade sandwiches. She, she cared for her family. Hmm. She worked hard for us in her country. I saw people posting stuff like this. Like, she has tirelessly worked for all these years for our crown and country. And she's done such a good job. It's like, really? What has she actually done? I'll tell you who's tirelessly worked. Social workers, nurses, brain surgeons. They've tirelessly worked. You're like, what has she done? Like, she's always, she's always been like a rock for us. Like... Well, a rock to look at. She barely fucking moves. <laughs> and like, I kind of understand it from the perspective of, well, the Queen is there and the Royals are there as like something else apart from government that yeah. basically has the last say so that if the government ever gets too big for its boots or out of hand, the Crown can step in. Her Majesty's government. Exactly. So in that sense, I understand it. And in principle, I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Like you've got the church, you've got the state, but then you've also got a monarchy which oversees everything, stops the government getting too big for its boots. But when you've got the likes of Prince Charles or King Charles, as he now is, in bed with the World Economic Forum, then what do they really represent? Like they're in bed with the dominant power that wants to take over. They're not something separate from that that's keeping that other thing in line or in tow. No, quite the opposite. So in principle, yes, I kind of like the idea of like a monarchy, but actually it's a lie. It's an illusion. But there were some other weird things about the Jubilee. There was a hologram in the carriage that we spoke about earlier where it was like the original carriage, like the gold carriage that took the Queen back when she was first instated as the Queen. And they had a hologram of her looking young back then, waving to the crowds in the carriage. It wasn't a great hologram, but it still looked real enough that people were like, oh, that's cool. How great is that that they've done that? But it's quite an interesting sort of touch because you were like, okay, that's weird because we've been talking about the Pope as a hologram. And this is something that they put it right in front of your face during the Queen's Jubilee. Here's a hologram just shows you i mean we said this thing before with a way back when that tupac gig had the hologram in they've had this very sophisticated sophisticated excellent technology that yeah is very convincing to the eye especially when you've seen the holographic animals in those electronic billboards in japan jump out of people now yeah they literally look like they're coming out of the billboards so like in back to the future that technology is highly advanced Yeah, and like talking of the Tupac thing, it's like that was quite a while ago that a hologram of Tupac come out and did a gig and oh my God, it really looked like the real thing. And there was a moment there where I was thinking, oh my God, this is going to be the next thing. You're like going to be able to go and see Jimi Hendrix or Jim Morrison or... Nirvana. Nirvana, yeah. Kurt Kurt Cobain can come out. You've got the real Dave Grohl on drums and Chris Novoselic, but you've got Kurt there as well as a hologram. I mean, I don't know if they do it for Nirvana, but whatever. You can imagine them doing it for fucking Elvis and a hundred other artists where they wouldn't mind. Michael Jackson would be a good good example. (laughs) Moonwalking across the stage. He could finally do his This Is It tour. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's where I was thinking it was going to go because they cash in on everything else. I mean, it doesn't matter how gimmicky it is. Even like 3D TVs were a thing for a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? The game like, with the glasses to watch the TV with. Mental. mental. I mean, imagine if you went round someone's house now and they were like, you're right, and they had a pair of them glasses on. 3D TV! You'd be like, you're nuts. <laughs> they got the COVID mask on and just got a pair of 3D glasses. I'm watching the Queen's funeral! Especially the, the old school ones, which one was blue and one was red. You're like, the Queen's funeral, it's not even in 3D. Oh, really? <laughs> I have them on all the time. It's hard to tell the difference. So another really weird thing that went on during the Jubilee was this ritual, is the only thing I can think of calling it, where the Queen stepped up to this podium, this purple podium, and put a hand on a globe that was in a crown. And that globe then lit up these light trails that were on the floor that formed a three helix DNA strand that then ended up lighting up a a tree of knowledge, a tree of life. And it was very symbolic. It's really strange. Didn't really hear anyone talking about it much. But like the first thought that came into my mind was this whole kind of vaccination, upgrading of your DNA operating system. I mean, I say upgrading. <laughs> Could be a downgrade for most. Yeah, I, I definitely don't see it as an upgrade. But that was a thought that came into my mind straight away. Yeah, and also the biblical story of Adam and Eve, because there's a lot of Bible illustrations where the snake going up the tree is in the form of the double helix. The way his body crosses back over itself. Yeah, Yeah. and the story is about man gaining the knowledge of good and evil and an upgrade happening in their DNA where suddenly, you know, what's the difference between animals and humans? Well, one of the main differences is animals have no concept of good and evil. They only just go off animal instinct. If a lion kills a gazelle, they they don't feel guilty about it afterwards. That's Nor, just their well, instinct. Do they think they feel feel good or bad? I mean, it's down to consciousness. Or exactly. And humans are the only species on this planet that have a consciousness that is advanced enough that can see its place in the universe and be conscious enough to question its own consciousness. Yes. Basically. So... The Adam and Eve story is intertwined with DNA. And, you know, what did it light up at the end? The tree. The tree of knowledge. So it, there's there's definitely well, something going on there. Like, what what I would say to people that would say something like, oh, you're reading too much into it. Well, what is it about then? Yeah, Because well, it's about something. The symbolism would not have no meaning. It would have something. Yeah, right. So, okay, if you think what I'm saying is complete conspiracy madness... Well, tell me what it symbolises then. Well, it don't symbolise nothing. Well, they wouldn't have spent all that money on something that doesn't mean anything. It clearly means something. So what does it mean? It'll be funny to invite the Queen out to get her to press down the globe. I mean, it's got to mean something because the <laughs> Queen doesn't do that sort of uh, stuff for free. You know what I mean? Well, there's this amazing clip that surfaced recently of like the Queen cutting a cake and she sort of cuts it halfway and then stops and says, someone else can uh, finish the rest and then everyone sort of gives her a hand of applause she didn't even finish cutting a cake so yeah for her to push this globe down i mean the globe in the crown what's that symbolizing yeah the globe is controlled by the crown the globe is inside the the crown like you said as well why is it a triple helix and not your traditional double helix yeah right if it's supposed to symbolize dna it would be two strands not three strands 
What does three strands symbolise? An upgrade. Oh, an upgrade in DNA. Okay. What could that possibly mean? Oh, all there's those, recently been... All those DNA-changing vaccinations out yeah, there right. you get. Right, okay. And again, people might say, oh, that's insane. What do you mean the vaxes are changing people's DNA? Yeah, it's come out recently that mRNA does affect DNA. Yep, God bless them scientific studies over in Malmo, Sweden. We salute you. Also, talking about the globe in the crown, crown, corona, coronavirus, like it's all there coronavirus, the upgrade of DNA, the tree of new knowledge, in their minds the transhumanist agenda flourishing into what it always should have been, could have been, would have been, will be. See, this is what we're talking about, people. We didn't put the dots there. We just join them. So you literally had tens of thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, flocking out for the Queen's Jubilee, all massless, party goers, people hugging each other, woo! Which I've got no problem with whatsoever. As far as I'm concerned, that's what we should have been doing through the whole of the pandemic. Absolutely. And when we were out on the marches, that's what we were doing. And we we're having a great time doing it. And that's the fondest memories I have of that whole COVID era where we were locked down, was yeah, going me, out on the marches. Me too. So yeah, no problem with the people doing it. But pretty weird that most of the people that were gathered at the Queen's Jubilee were masking up in the supermarket, not gathering in loud crowds and all the rest of it. But no, no, during the Queen's Jubilee, that was all just done and dusted with and everyone was out full force going crazy for the Queen's Jubilee, shoulder to shoulder with people they'd never met before. No masks. All the flags waving. The most common argument I heard during that whole thing was, oh yeah, but a lot of those people are being jabbed by now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Everyone's vaccinated now. And what have you been told about the vaccination? That it does not work, it does not fully protect you, and you can still contract and pass on COVID, if it exists, because it doesn't. So, honestly, what were those people thinking? Yeah, right. Oh, is everyone vaccinated? Is everyone... These people not wearing a mask, have they been vaccinated? I mean, and it doesn't matter, even if... Every single person in that crowd has been vaccinated. And to be fair, if you're waving a flag at the Queen's Jubilee, you You probably probably have been vaccinated. You fit into the category, let's put it that way. (laughs) Brain-dead zombie. (laughs) Virtual signaler! So yeah, you probably have been. But when people like Boris Johnson have come out and said, doesn't make a difference if you are or if you're not. If you're vaccinated, you can still get COVID and spread COVID. It makes no difference. But they didn't give a shit about that. They were waving the flags, going out, shoulder to shoulder with all these people. And apparently £28 million was spent on the Jubilee. With some saying it was closer to a billion. And this is at a time where there's more food banks than ever in the UK. Kids are going hungry. The elderly are not able to heat their homes this coming winter. And what, people are celebrating, worshipping this Family of tax dodgers sitting on their golden thrones, riding along in their golden carriages. You know, I can see the poor little boy with his bowl out now. Please, sir, I want some more. And people worshipping them. You know, those big houses with all those empty rooms while hundreds, maybe thousands of homeless people sleep rough on the streets of London every night. And let's not spare a tear for them while you're queuing in a big fucking queue to say goodbye to your dead monarch. You know what I mean? Like, and like the same as all the old people, like the elderly that died during... Let's call them the elderly. <laughs> the old people. The old people. 
that died during the first manufactured wave of COVID alone. Yep. And you didn't spare a thought for them, but the Queen, as we get to later, you queued up for 10, 12, 20 hours to go and see an empty box. And you think we've got warped points of view. What's more fucked up? Yeah. Versus complete insanity. So, as the Sex Pistols once said, our figurehead is not what she seems. The Queen isn't really who she seems, and the same with the royals as a whole. I mean, firstly, their name isn't technically Windsor. No. It's Saxa Goethe. And they come from German descent, but decided that they would change that due to the war, and they decided to have a rebrand. And Windsor Castle was his favourite place in England. So what better name to name the family? No, that's right, people. The family were named after the castle. The castle was not named after the family. But yeah, it goes deeper than that. You you told me earlier that you were doing a bit of research oh, and yes. the royals, as far as you're concerned, aren't even legitimately no. allowed to call themselves the no. royals. They shouldn't be. i uh, done a Johnny Vedmore on that one. Big shout out to Johnny there about going back in time and looking about the legitimacy of the throne. And somewhere around 1442, there was a young man called Edward IV. And he was soon to take over as the King of England when obviously he had an older brother who died, a middle brother who was not interested in becoming the king. And he was the one who was going to take up the reins. However, what we found out was, was his father, Richard III, when he conceived with his wife, I forget her name, uh, when he had Edward IV, um, apparently his birth, something was wrong with the birth, because when he was actually meant to conceive, his father was away in France. So it was impossible that Edward was actually conceived by his natural king father. Edward was a Jon Snow. He was a bastard. Fucking bastard. There's some real House of Dragons stuff going on. Oh, absolutely. Straight straight away. Yeah, like, really. So, way back in the 14th century, actually be the 15th, uh, really, way back in the 15th century, um, King Edward IV succeeded the phone. And he actually was born of a legitimate parent. His father was apparently a royal archer. But these rumours at court, way back then obviously came out, but because of the turmoil at the time, we had the upcoming war, the Judas and stuff, the War of the Roses and stuff, it was frowned upon, and if you were going to make an accusation like that, a bit like in House of Dragons, you better fucking back that up. Because otherwise, the, the Swingman's axe is just going to be coming for your neck. You know what I mean? You don't make... <laughs> exactly. You don't make... That's that more of a whip. Yeah, but still, the impact was there. <laughs> so you don't make these sort of accusations without backing up. And this was... Never properly disputed. It wasn't in Parliament. It was just royal murmurings. But when we look back at when he should have been conceived, his natural father was away abroad. Otherwise, I think his mother should have had an 11th month long pregnancy, which is impossible. So Edward IV, his family through Henry VII, uh, reunited France into the royal picture. There on fourth through Henry VIII. And all the succession that followed way back from Edward IV, is illegitimate. They, they actually, none of them should have ascended the throne. It actually should have gone down the middle brother, which was Henry, and he had a weird name, like Henry of Baum or Bloom or something. He had a weird title, but he wasn't obviously the one that was to ascend the throne. It was going to be his youngest brother. It was going to be Edward. But Edward IV was not 
a legitimate monarch, and all the family line thereafter that followed him, including the very monarchs that sit in Buckingham Palace today, they are illegitimate, and none of them actually should have ever had the right to sit on the throne for the best part of 600 years. What What is so interesting about that is, even if that come out and it was the case, people would be forced to ask themselves the question, well, what does it all really matter anyway? Let's say, for instance, oh no, they were royal blood and all the rest of it. What, someone deserves to sit on a golden throne just because they're bloodline? I mean, this is far out weird stuff. Like you said earlier on, people can say what we believe in is far out. Okay, if you believe in the monarchy, then this, you believe in this stuff. Yeah. And this stuff is mental. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you believe that someone should be sitting on a golden throne, ruling over millions of people, living off taxpayers' money, in a massive palace, but if, you're normal. Yeah, and, and if you truly believe in that, if that is a concept that you're willing to get with, then why aren't you up in arms the fact that the whole of King Edward IV's descendants have been on the throne? Because, quite frankly, the royals shouldn't be there. So if you are a royalist, you should be down there waving a flag right now. Get out of my palace! Apparently, you know where the real royal family live now? Uh, it's the house of Plantaget or something. It's, they've got a really weird surname. The, there's one of the very last earls left the UK in 1960. He actually moved to Australia. He was only 17 years old. His mother died. And she actually should have been on the throne, his mum. And this guy is like, lives somewhere out on the, sort of down on the East Coast. And his family are actually the real descendants who actually should be in the monarchy right now but what's so weird about it all is like okay even if that was the case oh no it's actually this person because of their blood because of their dna well, what does it all link back to the dna the dna just like the weird ritual we were just talking about with the queen pressing the globe in the crown with the light dna is going to the tree of knowledge does it seem so crazy when you really delve into what royalty means and it's all to do with DNA and bloodlines? Yeah, well, we look at, I think it was Princess Eugene or Beatrice. I forget which one. They both look the same. <laughs> Inbred! But one of them, whichever one, I don't care, um, actually got married to her third cousin. I saw, was it last year, a couple of years ago? It was just, just You'll before, see that a lot. Just before the pandemic, you see a lot of this inbreeding, very Targaryen-like behaviour from the royals. I love I quoted Game of Thrones there. But, yeah, I mean, this it's a bit weird, you think. Oh, why would she get married to her third cousin? I'm sure there's an abundance of suitors that would love to have Beatrice or Eugenie's hand. No, it's because they do it to keep it all in the family, because royal blood is royal blood. And they're obsessed with blood. And talking of which, Charles and his whole family are apparently directly descended from Vlad the Impaler. And you can find a YouTube video where Charles even jokes about it when talking to someone about the country of Romania and its dark and distant past. And Charles says, The genealogy shows that I'm descended from Vlad the Impaler, you see. Uh, so I do have a bit of a stake in the country. <laughs> It's like an Austin Powers style joke. Steak, steak through the heart. Vlad the Impaler, get it, get it. <laughs> but even he's admitting, yes, the royals descend from Vlad the Impaler. Oh, Vlad the Impaler, the infamous Romanian ruler that used to put his enemies' heads on wooden spikes that Bram Stoker's Dracula was based on. Yeah. That Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, the bloodthirsty ruler who 
literally like to eat his evening dinner while staring at his victim's lifeless heads on spikes. <laughs> Wishing them a bon appetit. But yeah, this video, you can look it up on YouTube. I mean, it's absolutely outrageous. Like, when Prince Charles is like, oh, I do have a bit of a stake in the country. I just thought, I mean, the guy there just says, oh, quite, or something like that. And I, I kind of just thought, if that was me, I would have to be like, oh, so the royals might be blood-sucking parasites in more ways than one. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, the guy just skirts over it like he said nothing. It's like, he's kind of just revealed something pretty major there. But, yeah, it just gets skated over like everything else with the royals. No, we'd much rather re remember them as marmalade sandwich-eating, people-caring, good-natured souls that care about this country and the plebs that live in it. I mean, you have to ask yourself. How much do they really care? Because if you only take it back to the Second World War, and that's not that long ago, I do believe a certain Prince Philip of Greece at the time, who was obviously married to our Queen before she obviously ascended to the throne, I do believe three of his sisters were all married to Nazis in Nazi Germany. And I also believe, wasn't it the Queen's eldest brother, King Ed, Edward, who had to abdicate the throne because he wanted to marry an American divorcee, who had very far-right sympathising views of the Nazi regime. This was someone who was royal. Hitler openly kept contact with Edward, even after Churchill had sent him to Barbados with his wife to be spied on by the British and the Americans while the whole of Europe was in war. After Edward had abdicated and he was with his American wife, and I may add, American wife, Nazi sympathiser, hmm, a bit strange already, isn't it? But even back then, I know you're saying that's not the Queen, that was not the Queen, yes, but that was still the Queen's eldest brother, and he chose to actually support Nazi Germany. He went and got a job for Hitler. I mean, there's these clips of the royal family, like black and white, I can't remember his photos or a video of them doing the Nazi salute, the Zeke Heil. Yeah. The name change from Saxo Goethe, which couldn't sound more German if it tried, to Windsor after the castle, as you said. You know, they're trying to hide their lineage. Ident yeah. yeah. Their identity and really their history and their identity are two very separate things. And I feel like most people have got completely tied up in their identity, which has also got a load of other random things lumped in with it such as Paddington Bear and marmalade sandwiches yeah. and everything that's quintessentially British. Yeah. So people are really tied to the Queen because they're like, she's on the stamps and the money and she's everything that is British all summed up. Well, is that something you've just been fed? Yeah. How much do you really know about the monarchy and our history of them? So not going too far back in history, everyone remembers the death of Diana. Rest in peace. And there's so much about the death of Diana that is shrouded in conspiracy and secrecy. But it's worth mentioning now because... Well, it was the Queen that denied a royal inquest into her death. Exactly. And there was so much to investigate there. And the royals didn't want to have anything investigated. Which I find strange because it's actually lawful. It's a lawful thing to do. If someone from the royal family dies abroad, there has to be an inquest. The only people that could stop that would be people who were above the law, and that would be the royals. And we all know that it was a car crash, but as always, there was no camera footage 
of this car crash. All the cameras were down. Yep, that's right, just like in every false flag from 9-11 to when all the cameras were down so in the, the Pentagon. The Las Vegas shooting, yeah. No camera footage whatsoever. We're told the official narrative is the car went into the tunnel at 125 miles an hour, speeding through, crashed, killed everyone inside, bar... Diana. And... Well, no, it killed Diana. Well, no, she went to the hospital. It was the Dodie and Dodie and John Paul, the uh, head of security from the Ritz, they were killed. It was the bodyguard and Diana that initially survived, and then, of course, the bodyguard that survived. But, yeah, there's no camera footage whatsoever. We're told the driver was drunk, and there's a lot of evidence to say that he wasn't drunk at at all. You were saying earlier you'd seen camera footage. there was camera footage inside of the Ritz Hotel prior to the accident of Paul tying up his shoelaces, both shoelaces. He was in the hotel lobby. Obviously, he was going to take them, so he wanted to make sure his his loafers were fitting comfortably and uh, quite coherently and in perfect balance, he bends down on each knee and ties each shoelace and gets back up. Nothing to suggest this man was under the influence whatsoever. This guy was supposed to be so obliterated that he completely crashed the car. And, you know, a lot of things that come out around that that make us suspicious, like you said about... They said, oh, we've got no footage of the tunnel, no pictures or nothing, which I thought was funny because they said there was loads of paparazzi behind them, but where were they? Not, not taking photos. Not taking photos. Clearly. So what they do, just give them a little race. Beep, beep, beep. Give you a race, mate. The point is, we went into the tunnel and said there were no footages. And then we found out later on, one of the cameras for the tunnel was working. Because it's actually a tunnel camera that alerts a driver if he's gone over 60 mile an hour before he goes in the tunnel. Now, they got the picture up because it was working. They just didn't want anyone to see it. And he wasn't doing 120 miles an hour. They were doing 65 so already then we had a bit of tabloid press given to us to make it out to sound like it was a high speed chase when it looks like it was anything but and you were saying that one of the people in the car on the autopsy was it yeah was found with like yeah the driver the rich security guard uh john paul he had a suspicious amount of carbon monoxide poisoning in him I think the other members of the car had unusual levels, but his was mysteriously high. And they actually accounted, and I didn't know this about carbon monoxide poisoning. I don't want to distress anyone, but we've heard when people gas themselves in their car, you know, they put the hose and they kill themselves in their car. I didn't realise that that's obviously combined with diesel fumes and stuff, but carbon monoxide, if it was just as a gas, a clear gas opposed to an exhaust fume, um, in small amounts, it can actually make you a bit delirious. Slightly change your brain chemistry a little bit. They said it was suspicious, the fact that the driver, who was obviously the head of security at the Ritz, his was really high compared to everyone else's. So this guy that was supposed to be drunk, that clearly from the CCTV footage wasn't drunk at all, then has this suspiciously high level of carbon monoxide which you wouldn't have any system for any other reason other than being gassed the car crashes the car itself is completely obliterated if you look up the car crash on youtube this car would have had to have been doing 120 miles an hour to be in the state that it is in because it looks like a huge giant boulder has fallen on it i can't believe anyone survived this crash yeah so that doesn't really add up and then You've got the cameras and then also the fact that why were these extremely high levels of carbon monoxide? To me, it feels like 
something was released in the car that forced the car to crash and actually the car wasn't going that fast and some sort of explosion was triggered to force this complete obliteration of the car which again sounds far-fetched but what do we know from the mob the mob put car bombs in people's cars all the time even rappers rap about this yeah this is how gangsters the mob this is how they operate okay they're gonna put a bomb in diana's car but it's not gonna go when she puts the ignition in it's going to go down a tunnel where there's no CCTV and it can go off on impact once the driver's been gassed, explode in a ball of flames, just like they do in the movies. We all know when cars crash, they don't go up in a ball of flames, but they go up in every single action movie. So people rolling past won't find it's too weird or out there if they were a natural observer at the scene. And it just goes down as a tragedy. But how easy would that be to engineer? Oh, too easy. The car was driving not too fast in the tunnel. To be able to kill all four occupants of the car at 65 mile an hour is plausible, but it's not definite. There'd have to be something secondary that would manage to take out the occupants of the car. Put it this way, if they wanted to cover up her accident, they did a bloody good job of it because only four hours after she had that crash in that tunnel, the tunnel was open. They opened the tunnel four hours after she had the accident, the police screen washed the walls and they threw sand all across the road. It sounds more like a cover-up than a clean-up. It just reminds me when we've recently been talking about the Georgia Guidestones coming down. Yeah. One of the stones got hit and then within a matter of hours, clear the stones! <laughs> it was all just gone. It's like, that's not normal. That's not right. Yeah. If something struck one of the stones at Stonehenge... I don't think they just demolish it all in a matter of minutes and just be like, right, it's done with now. Might as well just, you know, put it on the scrap heap. You don't want to try and restore this. No, no, no. Like the same with Princess Diana's death. It's like, you don't think this might be important enough to maybe section this off. Yeah. I mean, you do it with like minor road accidents. Yeah. I've had an accident up close to lane on a dual carriageway. And I'm a fucking nobody. I'm not the Princess of Wales. You're not. I'm certainly not. I wish you were. So not just including or excluding the accident that ultimately cost Diana her life. Just look at the fictitious relationship she had within the royal family, uh, especially with the Queen and Prince Charles before, during and after the relationship. Diana had even written letters to her butler, Paul Burrell, saying that she believed that Charles was going to try to offer our British term of being kill they're trying to have her off. And she actually believed Diana, bless her, in her letters to Paul, saying that she believed it would be a car crash and she would die from head trauma. She actually wrote that in a letter to her, her butler. I mean, how much more proof do you need? A written letter from Diana saying, I think they're going to kill me and they're plotting to kill me in a car crash and then she dies in a car crash. Yeah. It's a coincidence. You literally can't make this shit up. And it wasn't just her letters to a butler. She told numerous advisors. Yeah, royal aides. That were obviously meant to be her royal aides. She had the same fears. She had the same fears. A lady-in-waiting, I can assume, probably a personal assistant. The people that were with her in probably her darkest hours when she was splitting up or having arguments with Charles in the palace. I don't know. I mean, let's not forget... I mean, people will talk about guilty parties. Oh, but yeah, but she did go off with that old fire. Let's remember who the first guilty party was in this relationship. 
Well, yeah, because Charles, you've only got to watch the TV series The Crown, which mm. is a propaganda piece, although wildly entertaining. I've watched it. Fair play. But even The Crown tells you that Charles is having an affair with Camilla almost the whole way through his marriage with Diana. Bear in mind, Camilla had a husband and kids as well, and now he's with Camilla. I mean, it's not... It's a pretty dirty past, just that in itself. But the fact that it blatantly looks like he offed his wife so he could be with Camilla and get Diana just out of the way is outrageous. And the death with Diana, to me, seems like more of a of a ritual, like a sacrificial offering than just getting someone out of the way because of some, you know, marital affair that you're having. No, this is like much darker than that, in my view. And people just seem to have forgotten about all of that. Like now suddenly the Queen's dead and they're going, oh, I think Charles will be a good king. And soon we're going to have to change the national anthem to God save the king. I think we should change it to God save us all. (laughs) So they're suddenly jumping on the bandwagon of, oh, yeah, Charles, he's a good guy. And I think he'd be a good king. Oh, you've got a short memory. Yeah, very short. You not remember Diana dying? And the royal family not wanting any inquest into her death, even though the circumstances were extremely suspicious. Also as well, birds of a feather flock together. They do indeed. Look who Charles has been best buds with. Jimmy Savile. Yeah, and God rest her soul. That's one thing Diana did say about him. Said he was a creep. (laughs) I mean, he was definitely a first class creep. He was lurid and very inappropriate. And you're like, mm. well, Savile is a first class creep and he's Britain's most prolific paedophile. And I would argue even the world's most prolific paedophile. Probably. If there's a paedophile that beats Savile, I want to meet him. Well, yeah. Not meet him, but yeah, hear about him. Hopefully he's See dead. See his stats. <laughs> Hopefully he's dead or behind bars. But yeah, Jimmy Savile was one of Charles's best buds and Britain's most prolific paedophile. And Charles was so close to Savile that at one point, Savile was even brought on as an aide for him and Princess Diana, almost like a marriage guidance counsellor. What a person. Yeah. Now then, now then. <laughs> what about the uh, the old sex life? Maybe it would be good if I could sit in on a session, just to keep an eye on things. <laughs> and Savile was constantly in and out of the palace. Oh, oh hello. in and out, in and out. But his friendship with Charles and the royals like kind of made him untouchable. Ironic, because he's a pretty touchy guy himself. Yeah, but <laughs> victims of the Broadmoor Hospital would beg to differ. Yeah, right. Like he got given the keys to Broadmoor, like a, a you know high security psychiatric hospital where he had full access. He even had living quarters there, and he was just using that access to abuse mentally ill patients and he's even having sex with dead bodies and yeah i mean this guy research jimmy savile if you don't know who he is we mention him so many times i feel like he's almost mentioned in every episode of the schism yeah he's the only person we don't have a voice for because no one really wants to do jimmy savile's voice (laughs) well i don't know now then now then now then now then (laughs) yeah savile's official title at broadmoor was Honorary Entertainment Officer. Some of his victims were begged to differ once again of how entertaining he was. It just sounds so fake as well. Honorary Entertainment Officer. Like They've just made that up just for him. 
I've got a title now. But yeah, he even had living quarters there. Like he was just staying at the hospital like 24 seven, just so he could abuse whoever he wanted in his twilight hours. Well, this is the thing Like Savile was very close to the family. Oh, you can find numerous photos of him and Charles laughing and joking together. There's pictures of them two in kilts having a laugh. Yeah, yeah. Pictures of Jimmy Savile and his crazy get-up and Charles, you know, like... This is a bromance like you've never seen before. I feel like he was more in love with Jimmy than he was Diana. (laughs) Maybe not Camilla, but Jimmy was a close second. (laughs) And they didn't know what he was about. Like, do people really think that characters like Jimmy Savile that are this close to the royals don't get investigated by British intelligence. Yeah, you think MI5 would be all over him. That wouldn't know that he's a notorious nonce, child molester, trafficker of children. That would just slip out of their net. Well, Well, we know these services all work together and it was Surrey Police and Yorkshire Police who were protecting Jimmy Savile. So it was clear that he was a Freemason. Yeah. So they all work in cahoots. I think it matters less not, Reese, whether it's Secret Service or police. If he's in a high position of power, it gets to that point where, is he untouchable? Possibly. But that's only because Jimmy himself has now risen. Jimmy? Jimmy. Well, first name basis, that evil son of a bitch. <laughs> But Jimmy's only got to that level and got that power now because he's next to the prince. Whoever's allowed him to rise and to get to that position, you do have to wonder, has Charles not foreseen this? Is not a member of Charles's family, like his mother, been like, I think uh, Jimmy Savile's a bit of a weirdo. Oh, don't be silly, mummy. He's only a bit of fun. Well, the Queen made Jimmy Savile a knight for charitable services in 1990, which then made him Sir Jimmy Savile. We'll go on to all the different sirs later on. There's a lot of paedophiles and sex abusers that have happened to be sirs. Just a coincidence, of course. But yeah, Jimmy Savile was by far the worst. And not only was he made a knight, but he was also pally with the Pope at the time, John Paul II. Yeah, pictures of them together. Mm. And he was held the title of Knight Commander of the Pontifical Esquarian Order of St. Gregory the Great. Whatever the fuck that means. Gregory the Great was obviously another notorious paedophile back in the day. All, all, I'm, I'm, picturing, guessing. all I'm picturing is just the biggest nonce I can in my head and thinking, <laughs> so that's Gregory the Great, is it? You do him justice, Sir Jimmy! But honestly, it's like, okay, so he was accepted by the Pope. Oh yeah, like the Pope and the Church of England. I mean... They're not so innocent, are they? And not lumped him with pedos. (laughs) People that abuse children or they're in positions of power to abuse children. Just another coincidence, of course. And Jimmy Savile's not the only notorious nonce that the royals have been associated with. You've obviously got the other sirs, people like Rolf Harris, turned out to be a first-class predator. Kevin Spacey. He was knighted and, oh, he got accused of raping a 14-year-old boy in the UK and more than a dozen other men coming forward about his sexual deviancy. And most of his accusers are now dead, mysteriously died. Don't mention that. Mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey is also a avid member of the World Economic Forum. No surprise there. And best mates with Epstein and Maxwell. 
Well, so one of them at least, because we know the other one's gone. It's not just Savile that these people are associated with. You had like Lord Janna. He was like a House of Lords member, and he'd had more than thirty child abuse victims speak out against him. He was cosy up with the royals and close to the crown, and almost like a precursor to people like Epstein. And then you had like Mountbatten. Oh yes, the notorious Mountbatten. Like Lord Louis Mountbatten, high-ranking British commander and uncle to Prince Philip, and also second cousin to Queen Elizabeth II, because the royals are fucking inbred like that. The royals, let's call them by their real name, Targaryens. (laughs) And he was known to everyone in the royal family as Uncle Dickie. Affectionately, Uncle Dickie. And yeah, Charles revealed in his biographies that he saw Mountbatten as almost like a father figure and definitely a mentor. And Prince William and Kate Middleton even named their youngest son Louis after him. So he's very important in the royal family. And Mountbatten originally originated from the Battenbergs, again from German descent. So they got that in common. And what a surprise, after Uncle Dickie's death in an IRA attack in 1979, rumours start to surface, similar as Savile, after the death, about him being a child abuser. FBI documents come out, like dossiers saying that there's a perversion for young boys from Mountbatten and... This was even confirmed by his driver. Because he was around, around London, the swinging dicky, picking up, obviously, underage children. Yep. Yeah, picking them up, transporting and delivering them to Mountbatten. These are kids like 8 to 12 years old, who he apparently subdued with a brandy-spiked lemonade. Sounds like Bill Cosby. Fucking hell. So, Just to yeah. let you know, Lord Mountbatten, you uh, can swing me over with a pineapple Malibu. Yeah, so what... <laughs> So what a surprise, another rampant pedo that was... the rules. Charles's mentor. Hmm. Okay. Oh, and who introduced Savile to the royals? Oh, it was Mountbatten. Oh, of course it was. But just a coincidence. Just a coincidence that they're all child abusers. Yeah, they all go hand in hand with each other. So just think about this kind of stuff when you're waving a flag. I don't think anyone listening to this podcast is waving a flag at the Queen's Jubilee, but... Think again. Think again, (laughs) regardless. So obviously you've got Prince Andrew as well. And Prince Andrew had a, a relationship with Epstein... There's been this whole scandal about him sleeping with this underage girl that was trafficked by Epstein. And that's all disappeared thanks to Mummy. The Queen, while she was still alive, helped Andrew pay £12 million to a woman that supposedly he never even knew. Supposedly. To keep quiet. Once again, there's a high-profile royal. It's not Charles this time. Now we've got his brother, who's aligns himself next to another sexual predator and deviant. And really, someone like Epstein kind of like carried on from where someone like Savile left off. He's running the same child trafficking operation, blackmail operation, involving all these rich and powerful people procuring children. And, oh yeah, what a surprise. The next line of rules, Andrew is involved with him. Andrew was still going to meet up with Epstein after Epstein had pleaded guilty to a felony charge of soliciting a minor. Yeah. So that was proven 
but as a royal, you're still going to meet up with him. In Andrew's words, I was going to meet up with him to tell him that I couldn't meet up with him again. Have you heard of email? <laughs> or carrier pigeon, my friend. You know, why did you have to meet up with him to tell him that? His answer was, we had such a close relationship, I felt like the proper way to do that was to meet up with him. And I think... In or that, how close were you with him? Yeah, exactly. How close were you? And if you were that close, did you not have any inkling he was doing something like this? Come on, let's be serious now. If you were that close, buds, and once again, it's the same thing with the Secret Services. You don't think anyone hadn't vetted Epstein and been like, Andrew, I'm sorry, I know you're getting quite chummy with old uh, Jeff and his island, but you do know we're investigating him for child trafficking. Might want to just, just put a little bit of water between you and this man because he's evil. Well, there's this infamous pic of like Epstein and Maxwell at this cabin and then you can see that next to a picture of the Queen at the same cabin. And you're like, oh my God, they're staying at one of the Queen's private cabins. I mean, that's how involved these people were with the royals. And like we said, as if British intelligence wouldn't know about this. How about just mummy's intuition? I don't know how Queen Elizabeth felt about her two sons hanging around with such perfect role models. And Epstein had a financial relationship with Andrew's ex-wife Fergie. But what's crazy is that during the Queen's funeral, there was a heckler that when Prince Andrew went past, they were like, oh, you dirty old nonsense, <laughs> whatever. Like they shouted to me, disgraceful. And they were like wrestled to the floor by a load of policemen and arrested. And it's like, okay, so Prince Andrew just gets away with it. Someone heckling him and calling him out for it gets pinned to the floor by a load of cops and arrested. That brave soul. Props to the young man, because he was like a young kid that said it. He didn't think something was right. I thought freedom of speech still existed, obviously not. And what's crazy is like, that's just one person. And he was even shouted down by people around him, like, hey, stop ruining it. Yeah, I saw that. That's, that's you know, they don't want anyone to break the illusion, do they? And you just think, wow, one kid. The same as like, like the funeral that we get to later, there was like one maniac that like just scrambled to the coffin or whatever. People would just view it in the same way as that. But that's not how I view it. I don't understand why more people where this was going through their town or whatever didn't just come out and say something about it because... Well, especially if Andrew's there and what we found out about him is what we found out about him. I mean, people have got a right. Yeah, like how can this guy honestly hold his head up high when it's so obvious that he did do what he did and was involved in Epstein and what was going on there and has paid a goal that he said he didn't even know, 12 million, through the Queen's money that is our money, the taxpayers' money. Like, we're paying for that. And someone protesting about that gets arrested. People definitely have a right to express their opinions. And, I mean, if I was there, not that I was going to fucking go down there... But I probably would have said the same. I probably wouldn't have been able to even hold it in myself to not just put my hand up and be like, excuse me. If I saw Andrew, I would blatantly have fucking shouted to me out. Yeah. You dirty pedo! Yeah. <laughs> You'll be on our next episode! Yeah, I probably would have just done one shout though and just disappeared. Like I wasn't as brave as this kid. I would have been like, pedo! And then just run. <laughs> but I would have said it. And if enough people said that, it would send a message. It's true. I would have backed you up, mate. Yeah, you would have also gone, you dirty nonce, and then run. But still, it's something. <laughs> I would have done the March one. 
don't trust the BBC and just replaced it with don't trust Prince Andrew. Giddy fiddler! I mean, there was even a clip of Prince Andrew at the Queen's funeral groping his own daughter. Like, she was, like, placing some flowers down or something and his hand was just like... It just went down. I don't know, that might be, like, reading too much into it, but, I mean, it was weird. It was unusually low. (laughs) Even for Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know the whole world's watching you. It's a bit like Biden. It's like, can you not just not sniff the kid? You've got to hide the devil in plain sight sometimes, and sometimes that ain't easy when you've got two horns and a fucking tail. So Charles, our future king, is definitely the woke king, and he's very into political correctness, the climate change agenda, the World Economic Forum. But it was actually Charles that coined the Great Reset as a term when he tweeted at the start of the pandemic. This is a direct tweet. As we move from rescue to recovery, therefore we have a unique but rapidly shrinking window of opportunity to learn lessons and reset ourselves on a more sustainable path. Reset. It is an opportunity we have never had before and may never have again. Who says? We must use all the levers we have at our disposal, knowing that each and every one of us have a vital role to play. When it's straight out of the Klaus Schwab rhetoric that we've heard the whole way through this kind of pandemic great reset era because prince charles is actually the person that really kicked the whole great reset off and he's really chummy with the likes of Klaus schwab and he's really into his climate change and the green recovery massive pusher of this overpopulation problem and now the queen is out of the picture we have like the woke king to contend with and he is fully in bed with the WEF and for all the people that think of the monarchy as like something that's between the government getting too out of control and there being like another institution to control yeah. that like Charles is fully in bed with the WEF that are literally trying to take over the fucking world yeah so. I mean that don't look to Charles as your new king guiding you away from this one world government because quite frankly this is one of the biggest pawns that Klaus Schwab does have on the chessboard is that the fact that you've got the king of England now who's one of his best friends. So anything that he wants the British people to know through his economic forum, Schwab will just call up old Charles and be like, yo. Well, even this quote here that I just read from has got a picture of Charles next to it speaking at a World Economic Forum annual meeting and he's got their little logo in the background. What does it look like? A halo. Yep. It's right at the top of his head, like a halo. It's the classic sort of rainbow colours that everything's in. And there was even a rainbow when the Queen's death was announced. Yes. Did you see this? Like There was a rainbow over Westminster or whatever. And I mean, we know, we spoke about in our climate change agenda episode how they can manipulate the weather. But this rainbow thing is not a coincidence. It's everywhere you look from the WEF little circle rainbow logo they have pinned on all their jackets to everything that was happening during the COVID era and the NHS was all rainbows everywhere. The LGBT, that's a rainbow. Everything's a fucking rainbow. Well... Neil Neil Haig, when he was on the podcast, I mean, he, he showed us the significance of the rainbow and how important it is. Obviously, this whole idea of starting again, a reset. reset. Yeah, the Great Reset. It's all to do with the 
story of Noah and the Noahide laws and this idea of a great reset. Not necessarily a flood that's going to flood the whole world, although that could be one of the scenarios. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but something that's going to bring everything to a point where another new order can replace the current status quo and there can be a starting again. It's symbolic, but you see it everywhere and you really have to start to question why are you seeing the rainbow everywhere? What does the rainbow really mean? Go back to the Bible, do your own research. It's not a coincidence that you're seeing it everywhere from the pandemic right up until the new WEF, climate change agenda, everything. There's a reason that you're seeing the rainbow everywhere. It's up to this point, we've been humanity 1.0, but very soon it's going to be humanity 2.0, you know what I mean? And that is up for them to decide what they're going to do with that. And, and people like Prince Charles, the now King of England, is firmly in bed with Klaus Schwab and his goonies and whatever they've got ready for us. So I didn't actually get to watch the Queen's funeral, but you were in the UK around at the time of it happening. So oh, what did you, you see? Because you were away sunning yourself, yeah. I yeah, was. Yeah. I was on holiday. Yeah. And yeah. of course, I had to sit at home and deal with the mourning face. But I can be honest, dude, uh, I didn't watch any of it that day. I had to go back this week and look at old footage of the funeral it's quite but it was over days no it was over days in fact actually i spent spent about as much time watching it on tv as i would have done queuing for it and that was zero however i did go back prior to the podcast and watch footage of the funeral and it looked like a boring old affair i'm sorry i mean one thing i could say when i die my funeral is not going to last that long. I, I, I Sorry to all my relatives, but I do not want you there any longer than you have to be. You are not going to have to be there for eight fucking hours. Please, have your, have your say-so, have a mince pie, and then piss off and go home. It's fine. Well, that was the hilarious, like, virtue-signalling aspect of this whole thing. Like, you had people like David Beckham that had queued up for 13 hours, and everyone was singing his praises, and the likes of... Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby that are British daytime TV presenters apparently skipped the queue and you had like articles in the sun from like, you know, interviewing builders going, it's not fair, like we echoed Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby like they should have queued up like the rest of us. David Beckham, he's the real hero, yeah. 13 hours. Yeah, I see him, he was just behind us in the queue, old David. Yeah, yeah, respect to Beckham. But this is the same David Beckham, remember everyone, who wrote all those mean, ill-fated messages to the palace on why he didn't get his knighthood. Remember, he, wrote, he sent all those horrible emails like, can't believe I didn't get my knighthood this year. All the things I've done for football, for the Queen, for the... It's like, wow. All right, all right. How big is your head, David? And it's funny how he's in the queue and people are looking at him like some sort of national symbol. Well, he was only berating the establishment for not getting his knighthood. Oh, pathetic. And like, honestly, like people judging people on how long they're in the queue for. I mean, this is like virtue signaling taken to some degree that I've never even seen before. I mean, I thought it was outrageous enough when people were queuing up for their COVID shots and their boosters, even on Boxing Day after Christmas. (laughs) I stood in line for my booster for six hours, whatever, but... People queuing for 
12 hours, 13 hours. Like, are you insane? I mean, one point, I think it was the queue was, was it five or six miles long? And it was 25 hours to get there. I'm sorry, I wouldn't queue for a fucking hour at Alton Towers for the Nemesis ride. <laughs> you would not catch me in a 25 hour long queue yeah. to see an empty box. Well, exactly. I mean, do you really think the Queen was in that box? There was a point where someone from the crowd even charged at the box. Yeah. I'm sure to try and prove that there was no one in it. But I don't think the Queen was in that box for a, a single second. And this is just a tweet I had from someone on my Instagram. Like, I won't say who it is. But, yeah, they put, last night I spent 13.5 hours. Really specific there with the time. Extra virtue signaling <laughs> points for every point. One, two, three, four, five. With strangers who became my friends, it was a beautiful experience. This person has clearly never been raving. It will be ingrained into my mind until I die. I am so grateful to have been able to see the Queen lying in state and to pay my respects to her and say goodbye. Like you knew this person. (laughs) It was the most monumental, iconic, awe-inspiring experience of my life. Clearly, you've never done DMT, sir. Beyond tears... It went beyond... That Whatever that means. I, I, we're not even going to go into that. Surrealism and human are the two words I could give you to try and figure out the feeling in the room. Disillusional would be one of the first words that came into my head. Yeah. Mental? <laughs> would be a close second. I might even say first. You know, they said the Queen was lying in state. Well, I was lying in a state of bliss. <laughs> because I wasn't queuing up for that long wasting my time to have to sit there and write a tweet like that afterwards I mean I'm sorry Reese. you might as well have been explaining to us a life changing moment and all he's done is sit in a long queue and looked at an empty box but it's just the same blueprint as everything else that's happened in the last few years Covid, the conflict in Ukraine it's like You've got to support the NHS and get your jab and wear a mask. You've now now got to wave the Ukraine flag high and stand for this. Right, the Queen's died. Now you've got to pledge your allegiance to the throne. And if you're really, really good, you've got to queue up for a dozen hours to walk past a box with the supposed Queen inside. I mean, these people are just priming themselves for this World Economic Forum like Charles is so deeply involved with, regime of control, the social credit score system, what they have in China that they want to bring to the Western world. This is all part of it. If you're going along with the COVID agenda, waving the flag of Ukraine, and now waiting in line for God knows how many hours to pay tributes to someone you didn't even know, you are being primed for this social credit score system. You are like number one candidate for this. I can't stop thinking about Rage Against the Machine bullet in the head. They say jump and you say how high. I think they're underestimating people if they don't think there's going to be a bit of a kickback here. Charles is definitely not as beloved as the Queen was. That's for sure. And I don't know how people are going to feel about having Charles and their money, singing God Save the King. People can fool themselves all they want into romanticising the rules, but... Royals, but are they really going to have the same love there for Charles that they have for the Queen? I don't think they are. Probably not. There's some funny things that happen, obviously, 
when he has taken over after the funeral is one thing about the money. I mean, I didn't know in Britain, obviously not only has his face now got to go in all the currency, but they've got to turn it the other way around. Every time a new monarch ascends the throne, they, on all, I can assume on all the, the coins, I don't know if it's on the notes, but on the coins, now he's going to face the other way to the queen. And apparently that's something to do with like a nod to your predecessor. You never face the same way. Well, you can imagine it's going to get to the point of ridiculousness where people will just demand problem, reaction, solution. We have to go to digital money. This is ridiculous. It just creates the cashless society, which is a massive tick on the World Economic Forum New World Order checklist. Oh, yeah. And this helps achieve that because the chaos that this will cause and the constant changing of money will make people so exasperated they're like oh let's just go digital let's just have everyone pay everything on cards but there's massive implications of our personal freedoms involved there just as there is everything else on the world economic forum checklist which charles the new woke king is serving you enjoyed that episode of the schism we've got plenty more episodes on the way in the meantime follow us on our instagram at schism.tv and keep watching the skies